This morning's reading is John chapter 20, verses 1 to 20. It is on page 1089 in the Church Bibles and page 1736 in the large print Bibles. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. John 20, verse 1. The empty tomb. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Then the disciples went back to their homes but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God 
and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Brenda, Don, thank you so much. Let me just pray for us. <clears throat> Dear Lord and Saviour of mankind, <clears throat> through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you inspire our hearts with your resurrection truths so that your might, light might shine ever brightly as we seek to be that difference in the world for you. Amen. Earlier this week, I had dinner with Rutten, Rutten Vakaji. Many of you know Rutten, who's on his final, uh, final station of training. And Rutten told me that in his church, they now have 40-minute sermons. So, not to be outdone, it's no coincidence, though, that Easter Sunday always falls just after the spring equinox. Christ is risen, and the earth is coming back to life too. And just as Don prayed for us, spring is in the air. And as the sap rises in the dormant trees, so too our faith in our Creator God rises once again. Those flower bulbs that you've got stacked away in the garden shed, well, they may look more like scraggy brown onions at the moment, but wait a few weeks and they'll be bursting into life, exploding with scent and colour. Miraculous as it is, it's completely natural. Nature will run its course, and new life will burst out as sure as eggs are eggs. Resurrection, on the other hand, is completely unnatural. Put a human being into the ground and that's that. You don't wait around for the person to reappear so you can pick up where you left off. You say your goodbyes, pay your respects, and then get on with life as best you can. Knowing that the only place that springtime happens in the cemetery is on top of the graves, not in them. And that's all Mary was doing that morning, paying her respects, which was the custom in Palestine for the, for the three days after the body had been laid to rest. <clears throat> it was believed for those three days that the spirit of the dead person hovered around the tomb. Mary, of course, couldn't go to the tomb on the Sabbath, our Saturday, because to make the journey then would have been to break the law. But she went as soon as she decently could during the last of the night watches, which ran from 3 a.m. to 6. And she went to the, the tomb to convince herself that she really had lost him forever. It was still dark, 
but even from a distance, she could sense something was amiss. Someone had moved the stone. Mary could smell the damp earth, she could feel the cold stone, but someone had taken the body. And his body was just about all the cold comfort she had left. <clears throat> now, too, even that was gone. Was it the authorities, afraid he might become a shrine and he'd become a hero? Had they dumped his body on some smoldering rubbish dump or down a cliff? Mary was distraught. So she ran and brought two of the others back with her. But once they'd satisfied themselves that what she said was true, they left her there, sobbing her heart out. You know those pictures of an abandoned dog, a dog that's been left by a mistress or master who suddenly died? They look very sorrowful, don't they? They look lost. And I think that's something like Mary would have looked like a sort of sorrowful, abandoned dog who'd lost a master, rooted to the spot, seeking comfort from the last place he'd been. Helpless, without the least idea of what to do next. Even the angels couldn't console her. <clears throat> when she'd worked up enough courage to look inside the tomb, she saw the two of them sitting where his body should have been. Why are you crying? They asked her. They've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. Mary, Mary was utterly, utterly inconsolable. It never occurred to her that they might have been responsible. But then she was hardly in a fit state to think clearly. And it was the same when she turned around and bumped into the gardener. Did he know where Jesus' body might be? That was all she could think to ask him. Perhaps he'd help her find the body, and sort of between them they, they could drag it back to the tomb. What did she think he would do? Pick it up for her, put it on her shoulders, or was she going to carry it by herself? It just wasn't a reasonable request. But the gardener didn't seem to mind. Mary, he said to her. And she turned, cleared the tears from her eyes, and stared wide-eyed at him. Then, as comprehension dawned, Rabboni, my teacher. That's when he cautioned her. Don't hold on to me, for I've not yet returned to the Father. This was a peculiar thing for him to say because there was no evidence she was holding on to him in any way, unless, unless it was what she called him, my teacher, the old name, the old name she used to call him. Maybe he could hear it in her voice, how she wanted him back the way he was, so they could get on with being the way they were. To the old life, 
where everything was familiar, not frightening like it was now. Rabboni, she called him. But that was his Friday name. And here it was, Sunday, an entirely new day in an entirely new life. He wasn't going to go back with her, back to the old life with her and the others. He was on his way to God. And this time, this time, he was taking the whole world with him. The other gospel accounts of the resurrection tell us not to be afraid, because new life is frightening. It's unnatural. Death is a natural part of life. Loss is natural. Grief is natural. But this morning, this Sunday morning, out of all our Sunday mornings, we move out and away from the natural and the ordinary. We move into the unnatural and the unexpected. We feel in our hearts those stones, those stones of death, of loss and grief, have been rolled away for us. They've been rolled away to reveal a highly unnatural truth. By the light that comes this day, God has planted a seed in us, a seed of life that cannot be killed. And if we remember that, then there is nothing, nothing we cannot do. Move mountains, banish fear, love our enemies, change the world. The only thing we cannot do, the only thing we cannot do is hold on to him. Though he is our king of kings, our gentle saviour, our strong deliverer, he's asked us, please don't do that. He's asked us, please don't do that. Because he knows that, all in all, we'd rather keep him with us where we are, rather than let him take us to where he is going. All in all, rather than hold on to him, it's better that we should let him hold on to us. It's better we should let him hold on to us. Because that's why he has adorned us with royal robes. That's why we can, on his behalf, love God, love people, and make a difference. That way, that way we can let him take us into the white hot presence of God. A God who this Easter morning is not behind us, but ahead of us every step of the way. Amen.